All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. I want to thank you all so much for having me today. Um, as, as Scott said, I am the student pastor. I actually pastor students from sixth grade on to twelfth grade, and I developed a relationship with the college students as well. So I want to thank you all so much for having me. But also, I want to thank... Can we just give Autumn a hand real quick? Amazing. Amazing voice. An amazing an amazing worshipful experience that she creates, but most importantly, I think for me, and I'm just going to be a little bit selfish right here, Autumn, is that she also takes some time to invest in our student ministry too. She comes to camps, she comes to all sorts of different things. Give it up for that. That's amazing. That's awesome. So I definitely appreciate that for sure. And um, just want to thank campus pastor Scott Matthews too for this opportunity uh, to share with you today, mainly because I could pull a little student pastor move and probably this would be my last time speaking. So just know that um, that could happen. But yes, and absolutely. And when you ask me about student ministry and just what what happens in student ministry specifically, I want to let y'all know that that is my heart. That is my passion. That is something that I that I that I walk around with and I I eat, breathe and just love student ministry in absolutely every facet. One of the reasons why is because when I invest in students, and this is a little selfish as well, it's a little selfish, that I want to invest in students so that one day my kids, six, five, or six about to be five, and one, would probably encounter one of my students. And then they would be able to say, you know what, that person's living a life like Christ, and I want to live like them. So that is my selfish aspect of student ministry that I definitely try to, try to you know, just put in there as well. But also... One of the facets of student ministry that I focus on, and I have been for about nine to ten years, going on ten years, is I talk about identity, intentionality, and investment. I believe every student should know who they are in Christ, should develop that identity in Christ. I also believe that they should be intentional in their walk with absolutely everything they do. And then from all of that, there should be an investment in their community, and into other students. So that way they could learn to be, they could learn to also develop other disciples who go out, they gather, grow, and go. So that is my, that is, that is where I come from when it comes down to student ministry. And let me tell you, since I've started here, it's been an amazing experience hanging out with these students. I just found out, or I didn't just find out, but the past two weeks I've been praying for student ministry just in general and praying for each and every one of y'all but this next year coming in, we are going to represent over 15 schools in the Nashville area, all the way, and this is just this campus, this is all the way from Brentwood to Lebanon and in between. So we are going to be developing, we are going to be developing students who go out, they gather, they grow, and they go out to those high schools, those middle schools, and even those school, even those homeschool co-ops that we are going to develop these students to go out there and be and be a part of one of the be part of one of the biggest missionaries in the US. So that is amazing just to see that. So hopefully one of these days they may even go out to go out to visit Dan and Lori as well and be missionaries there. So give it up for that. That's awesome. I want to see that happen. Okay? So and then in looking at this um not only when I talk about identity, intentionality and investment Am I talking about that just in student ministry? But I also believe that those are three key concepts that are in a lot of the Bible, especially these passages. And when we're looking, we're going to dig into James today. 
in, in specifically, uh, specifically 2, 14 through 26, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26, we're going to look at that. Um, I believe that those three key concepts are definitely in that, and they live, eat, and breathe in there too. And um, just to give you some background, just to, just, to kind of, just to kind of open up into James, we know that James was, we, we say that, we know that some theologians say that James, and James was the little brother of Jesus, right? So he was not the favorited, right? So I'm joking, that's probably not the case at all. But we see that, and um, he, we, we see this specific passage, and it's faith without works is dead. And we see that, but then some of us, we also want to see the, the Pauline epistles or the Pauline letters, and then we see those and we say, hey, wait a minute, but in here he talks about faith is the only thing that we need, right? So I want to, before we open up into this specific passage, I want to kind of give some background into that contradictory um, that, or some people would say is contradictory in the Bible there too. So we're going to open up to that portion of it first, and then we'll go into James. So, and and then just to let y'all know, the James is like filled with wisdom. It's crazy. I've been reading this all throughout, all throughout these past two months, and just there's so many nuggets of knowledge. And it is the present, it is truly the present day Proverbs. I mean, there's so much, there's so much direction that allows us to take. There's so much kind of ideals that come out of it that we need to institute in our lives. And some of those we're going to talk about today as well. Um, but as we're looking at it, we see that Paul and James, two different people, they're two, they're, they're from different cultures, from different backgrounds, and they both have different stories as well. You see, when we open up to Romans 3.28, one of, those, one of those verses I'm talking about that we kind of see as contradictory to this, to this passage, we see is, it says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And then we see in James 2.24, it says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Well, once again, let's look at the context of that. Paul. We have Paul. Paul used to be Saul. He used to be kind of like the exterminator of Christians. He used to hate Christians. But it wasn't until he was humbled and blinded and, and, just, and just given that point to where he had nothing to do but to rely on Jesus Christ, but to rely on God. And then when he took that turn, that is when he believed. And just as much as he hated Christians, he ended up loving everyone who didn't know Christ. And he felt the need to go out, plant churches, and bring more people to Christ. So when you read in Romans, when you're reading that, what Paul's basically talking about is he's explaining the salvation aspect. How are we going to get to heaven, right? And then when we look at James, James, he was Jesus's little brother, right? A lot of theologians actually say, what they say is that he didn't even come to Christ till well after Jesus's death. So he was raised, you would, I would say that when you look at it, James was raised in kind of like that Christian home that really dealt with faith a lot. But you see, this is why it's very important for us to recognize that, because when James is, when James is doing that, he's also recognizing that faith, it works with faith. And what he's doing is he's explaining how to bring heaven to earth. Not literally, but how do we show people what heaven is like? How do we show people the love of Christ? How do we show people that we are who we say we are? How do, how do we practice what we preach? And so that's specifically what James is talking about in this passage. It's not just about, it's not just about saying, okay, that's all you have to do is work, 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 because we know we cannot work our way into heaven. That's one of the things that we can't do. 
But we have to be examples. Our church should be a brochure of heaven. Our church should be a brochure of heaven. We should look out at our church and see heaven. So that way when people who don't know Christ can look and see where we're at, we look and see where we're at, they say, man, I want that. I want that, you know, it should be that contagious. And that was something that actually D.A. Horton has actually said. He said, you know, that our, our church should be a brochure of heaven. We should look out and we should see that. And people should want that too as well. And these three different types of faith that I'm going to talk about, it's intentional faith, it's identifiable faith, and it's loveless faith. And when looking at these different types of faith that I believe that James truly is, is, truly is seeing in this passage, one of the things I thought, because as I was growing up, it was very hard for me to understand the Bible, and, and I didn't have that youth group uh, experience growing up. So um, I try to do whatever I can to think of how can I kind of get people to resonate with this message cross-culturally. Well, there's two different ways that, that, that essentially that it happens. There's with anything, with any kind of teaching like that, there's food, right? But I didn't want to sit here and throw down on some Mexican food or, or fajitas or carnitas or maybe even some good old southern fried chicken. I didn't want to do that up here and show y'all that message. So I spared y'all for that. And then I don't want to, you know, have y'all have your, have, your, have your tummies growling and everything else. But there was also another way that we can do that, and that is music. So if y'all don't mind, I'd like to play some music and I'd like to talk to y'all and just kind of relate this to James if we could. You think we could do that today? How am I going to get kicked out, right? We can do that. All right, cool. Awesome. So let's go ahead and do this. But first, as we, before we get to my first point, I want y'all to just picture yourself at a wedding, right? We see a wedding. We have different things going on. And then obviously we have a DJ. And there's some, sometimes when the DJ wants to get things started off right, what ends up happening is he does something. He plays some music when he wants people to rush the dance floor, Okay. And then one of the songs that he could play would be this one. Y'all know what this one is. Raise your hand if you've ever heard this one before. Okay, all right, awesome. All the students are like, yes, I know this. I can do it, right? And the coolest thing about that song, it's called the Cupid Shuffle by a guy named Cupid. Um, and that was one of his number, or, you know, one of his top hits as well, and probably one of his only top hits too. Um, but when you hear that song at a wedding, you immediately want to go out there and cut a rug. It doesn't matter if you don't know how, because the song kind of tells you what to do in, the, in that instance. And I even remember one of my uncles he has that one good leg, because we all have that uncle that has that one good leg, right? And he's just sitting there going like this, and he's even doing it. It doesn't matter, okay? So here's the other one, a little bit, little bit more traditional when we talk about it. And this is, um, this is the chicken dance, right? Exactly, see? Everybody knows it, right? Gotcha. So... Not too much we have to do, but this is when everyone gets together. We all do it. We all form a circle and go around, and it gets crazy. And then you have somebody that falls, you trip over them, and then this big circle, and then you have everybody on the floor, right? That ends up happening, right? That never, we never get scared. We never see what's going to happen after that or anything else. And then, you know, when we're, when we're talking about, when we, I want you all to rock out your side ponies because this one's going to be a good one here, okay? Have a little Whitney Houston playing, right? Right? There we go. Well, I want to dance with somebody, but only somebody who loves you, because you don't want to dance with anyone that doesn't love you, according to Whitney Houston, okay? 
All right. So we had that one. So that one was rocking. And when that one was rocking, we wanted to run out to the dance floor and do our own dance. That would be one where you, or where you perform what they call the soul train line. You got people on both ends and then y'all want to just go out in the middle. Okay. And then the last one, this is the oldie, but goodie. I love this one. Okay. Because this one gets everyone. All ages are on the dance floor. You hear it? The twist, right? Right? Now, I'm not going to do this up here. I'm not going to perform these dances up here if y'all were thinking that, okay? That wasn't going to happen. But um, but if you ever catch me at a wedding, trust me, I will be doing them. Um, <laughs> but when we look at this and we see this, it reminds me of James 2, 14 through 18. Let's go ahead and dive in and read that real quick. Because when we read this, we know that faith with action brings Jesus's words to life. Faith with action brings Jesus's words to life. Now, let's go ahead and read that. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also by faith, also, by, also faith by itself, it does not have works, it is dead. So also faith by itself, if, if it does not have works, is dead. When we hear those songs, we want to be intentional. They give us direction. They say, hey, let's dance. That we want to run out into the dance floor and do whatever we can. But see, in here, James is talking about it the same way. Because we need to be intentional with our faith. We need to have action to our faith. Why? Because it brings Jesus' words to life. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is specifically what he says right here, especially when he looks in, in 15, he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go peace, be warmed and filled. Go in peace, be warmed and filled. What he's saying is that our brothers in Christ, when we are there, what it happens, what happens with that is that we get comfortable in knowing that we're serving. I am comfortable, I am comfortable, I am, I am so confident in my faith, I am so confident that I serve serve a God who is, who is out there in the Ukraine, who is out there, who, and I have people who are serving in the Ukraine who are feel called to that, to go out and do that. And they feel even comfortable knowing that there are other people here that are praying for them. And I felt even more comfortable when I knew that I was being prayed in a different language as well altogether. See, that's the kind of stuff that James is talking about when he's saying our brothers and sisters he, and you notice that he says in there, don't just say, go, go, be filled, be warmed. Even though you're cold, even though you're hungry. It's, you know, when it's, like a, it's just like a, a punch in the face sometimes when, when we sit there and we see people who are hungry and who say they're hungry and, and, and say that they're, and we know that they're brothers or sisters in Christ. And we say, go warm or be filled with the, be filled with the word. Go be warm. And, and, and Dan, I'm sorry to, to call y'all out, but I think it was such a, such a timely message, such a timely time for you to be here as well. But, but you see, can you imagine if we just said, all right, Dan, Lori, go warm. Just be warm. Be filled. Don't worry about anything else. If there was no actionable, intentional faith in that relationship, where would God's word be in that specific community? In James, when he's talking about us being actionable with our faith, he's saying, let's do something about it. Don't just sit there 
And don't just bark out orders and bark out words, but let's do something. Now, some of us may say, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Well, that's why we have God's word. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, because it guides us. It directs us to do so. Because not only are we going to be helping our brothers and sisters, but other people are going to see that community that is definitely outlined in the book of Acts. And they're going to say, I want what those people have. They seem like they're together. They seem happy. When you look on a dance floor in a wedding, you're not caring about who has that one good leg, right? And yes, some of us may be talking about it, but it's all in fun. All we're concerned with is having a good time and fellowshipping with one another and celebrating the people who got married. We're not worried about anything else but that. And I think that's so amazing to see in a wedding or at a reception but it's what, what's even better than that is that when we do that together as a body of believers, and I'm talking about as a church, and I'm not talking about specifically being two rivers, but as the church, one church, as the people who represent Jesus Christ, that is the coolest thing about that, is that when we can go, we can be intentional in our walk and know that God's words will come to life in that. And as we go on through there, I'm going to skip, uh, skip a couple of verses here. But as we go on through there, we also see identifiable faith. And you see, that faith, we're going to, play, we're going to hear some more music. Don't worry about it. We're going to be good, okay? That, that, that faith, what I say is that faith with identity brings hope that is recognizable, recognizable by followers of Christ and others. So the best thing, I was thinking about what songs kind of would, would go into this. And I thought of, what better songs than love songs, right? We all have those songs that we listen to, and it could remind us of our first date. Um, not mine, because I just every song reminds me of my wife um, all the time. Yes, it does. Promise. <laughs> so, um, but we think about these songs. We think about these 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 things, and um, some of them I'm gonna play for you here. This is this is my favorite, but this may even get y'all dancing too, right? little Al Green, let's stay together, right? We know some of us want to do the Chicago step. I'm, that's a little bit, that's all the dance I'm doing, all right? So, um, so we hear that and we think, oh man, that brings back memories, brings back memories. I feel like I just want to just, just, just drive and cruise on a Sunday, right? And then this one, we, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, right? Yes, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, such an amazing song, such an or, or, orchestric orchestric vibe that it has to it but then just also the the big band that comes in i'm gonna play that again here real quick and uh and just go into it where we at where we at wait a minute see when he gets into it it's like man there's so much feeling in that and that brings back memories as well and then also the one the the one song that's made famous right by some boys back over there in england that 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 just kind of like ask or they're asking permission or they're saying, hey, look, they're kind of hinting at what they want to do. Um, we know this one, right? I want to hold your hand by the Beatles. So some of these students are like, who are the Beatles? Who are these people? They, they don't know. They don't know. We have, to, we have to teach them. We have to train them up. All right? Okay. And then um, also some of those slow tunes. Y'all know this one, right? What I want to, what I want to, what I think about every time I hear that song, 
is couple skate only. Couple skate only. Y'all know what I'm talking. You know, where you're out there on the, on the roller rink. We used to have roller rinks back in the day. Students don't know if y'all knew that, but there still is some out there. Now I'm talking about the four skates. You know what I mean? The four wheels. Um, so we hear that. But then for every, for every song, there is also a breakup song, right? And those bring memories too, all right? Chicago, I think, wrote one of the best, best breakup songs. Just think about that. And then you're just sitting there thinking about that one girl that broke up with you. And you start growling in the middle of the song when you're singing it because you're so mad. You're like, I promise you. That happens. That happens. And then for our country lovers, of course, I'm going to... We have the songs that also remember people in general. Right? George Jones, little George Jones in here as well. And then, of course, hey, students, I didn't... I didn't forget about y'all. Okay. I decided to go ahead and bring up some uh, T-Sweezy here. Biggest breakup song of 2015. Right? Right? Y'all sing. They're already singing already. See? That's, that's what happens. So, and listening to those songs, you know, they do bring up memories. And some of us, of course, want to think about all sorts of different things that happen and you see, in James, he also, because what it is, is that memory, that, that song ends up, become, ends up becoming identifiable, right? And just like we said, faith with identity brings hope that is recognizable by followers of Christ and others. Just like that specific song is recognizable. It may have been a song that was played at your wedding. It may have been, been a song that you danced with your husband or your wife to at one point in time. It may bring up a first kiss. It may bring up a first breakup, Right? It may bring up all sorts of person that you remember, or even the, even the band may do that as well. Um, we're going to look in James 2.21 through, through 26 and, and how he kind of outlines this. And I think it's very important for us to see because he also brings up the aspect of culture when it comes down to it too. So we're going to look at that as well. Um, when we look at it, it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. When we see Abe, when we see Abraham, when we see Rahab, I think James did an amazing job because what he did is he looked at two different people from two different cultures, two different backgrounds, and even two different stories. You see, Abraham, who, when Abraham, when God called Abraham, this was the coolest thing I remember, even in Genesis, is that when he calls Abraham, Abraham says, here I am. He doesn't say, yo, what up, God? He doesn't say, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, what do you need? He doesn't know that. What he, it doesn't matter what, what, Abraham, what God needed. It was the simple fact that he knew there was going to be a task at hand, and he was ready for it. That's how identifiable Abraham was. And even if we look in Genesis 13, it even says that Abraham was rich in livestock, but he was also rich in faith. There's that identifiable faith that brings hope to both God's people and to his people. Just like when we see people living out Christ, it brings us hope that that message is taken somewhere. 
We see, we also see it in Rahab who has a rough past, but she's also rich in faith. You see, Rahab was a prostitute. She was, she was guided by all sorts of negativity in her life. But she decided to protect some spies that were out there in the name of the, in the, to glorify the kingdom as well. She had a past, but she still let the faith take over all of that as well. So when we look at both of these people, we see someone who was raised, who was rich in livestock and rich in faith, and we see someone who was raised in negativity. But there's still that faith that we see that wipes away every single thing after that. And that's that identifiable faith that brings us hope. It brings me hope to know that people are out there serving Christ, serving God. It also brings me hope to know that others are going to see that and want that as well. In James, when he talks about this, once again, two different spectrums of people. Two different cultures, two different stories, two different backgrounds. And last but not least, and I don't have any music for this. I wish I did, but I think about it, it's loveless faith. And a loveless faith is just useless. Faith that is worth something involves action that grows from the heart. This would be compared to probably songs that we may not even recognize, Songs that we don't know, songs when we hear it in another language. In James 2, 19 through 20, he says, You believe that God is one, you do well. We're going back here, we're rewinding a little bit. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a quote, and if you don't know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, I I recommend that you research him and look at him. He was a guy who actually ran a seminary in a very hostile part of Germany. He was not only converting Jewish people to Christ, but he was also converting Nazi Germany, some of Nazi Germany, some Nazi German soldiers to Christ as well. And he had a seminary that he was running. He says, Cheap grace is a type of faith that does not necessarily lead to actions because it does not demand a changed heart. It's sitting down and not even wanting to consider any conversions. That's what a useless faith is. And when James talks about that here, I think it's amazing how he says, even the demons believe and shudder. Even the demons have the concept that, wait a minute, This is God, and he can destroy me. Sometimes when we serve, we don't even have that. We say, I'm good. I've accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, and that's it. And that's all I need to do, right? But you see, when we talk about a loveless faith, all of these things, when you are intentional, when you are identifiable, they are derived from the love that you have in your heart for Christ. And there is no question when you see someone serving Christ, when they have a smile on their face and they're so joyous, and they're so joyous sometimes, doesn't it make you mad? You're just like, oh my gosh, you are always smiling. You are always choosing joy. Why? What is going on? You know, but that's the thing, is that sometimes these people are so driven by by worshiping Christ, by loving Christ, they they have that in their life, they have that in their heart, and they decide to say, you know what? 
I'm going to continuously do that. I'm going to be actionable. I'm going to be intentional, intentional, rather. And then also when I think about this too, just in light of everything that's been going on recently, also think of things like music that we don't necessarily want to hear because why it's so filthy, it's so dirty. We don't want to do, we don't want to hear that. We don't want any of that. And I think about back in the mid-90s, they had this little, they had this little, they had this genre of music that they registered as gangster rap, right? And it was filthy. It was horrible. They would talk about, there was all sorts of negativity that was derived in all of that. But you see, there was a purpose for that to begin with. And it flew from everything else. And there was a hip-hop artist who who actually was, he, he would be considered the pioneer of that. He said, we're telling the real story of what it's like living in places like Compton. We're giving the fans reality. We're giving them reality. I'm sorry. We're like reporters. We give the truth. People where we come from hear so many lies that the truth stands out like a sore thumb. And when I was thinking about that and what he said and how sometimes we're saying, we don't even want to deal with any of that. We just rather step back and sit down and chill and let all that stuff happen. Why don't we want to be intentional, intentional, I'm sorry, in praying for them? Why don't we want to walk alongside them? I know people that are serving there right now in Compton, Long Beach as well. And that's what they deal with every day. Why don't we want to be intentional in doing that and walking with them and understanding that culture, understanding where they come from in that? I got a friend of mine, um, didn't ask him for permission to share this story, but I'm going to share it. He, all he wanted to do was play baseball. And that's what he did is he played baseball. And he would go out and play in Mexico. And he would go out and play in all sorts, Japan or Venezuela. He would go all sorts of different places and he would play ball. And he was a Christian. He was a guy that was guided by, by his faith. But the one thing that he loved to do more than anything was play baseball. He played professionally. He also played in the minors as well. And when he was sent to Mexico, he could have easily just said, I'm going to sit down and just play my ball. That's all I want to do. That's all I can do. But he had the chance to live a life guided by Christ so that he can bring others to Christ as well. And I kid you not, he brought some of the Mexican cartel to know Jesus Christ in that aspect. Because he decided that he was not going to have a useless, loveless faith. He was going to put, he was going to allow God to use him where he wanted to be used, where, where God wanted him to be used. And God protected every facet of that. And when I think about all of this intentionality, the identity that we have in our faith um, that, God, that God creates in us, I think of a beautiful wedding. Actually, when I think about it, I even think of the wedding when, when my wife and I got married. And we had, first starting out, walking in the reception, we, seriously, this is the way it looked like. We had the Latino side, and then we had the white side. <laughs> right? And we're going into the wedding, and we're having fun, and we have the country music being played. 
and then we have the salsa, the pachata, the merengue, the tejano, and all the other stuff. We have all of that being played. Well, when one would be played, you can just guess who was on the dance floor, right? And then when your country music was played, this would be, you know, we would, we would be on the dance floor. And then when we also, when the Latino music was being played, we would, the Latinos would be on the dance floor. But throughout the night, it didn't matter what was being played. We were all on the dance floor, fellowshipping with one another, congratulating one another, and even in many aspects, serving one another. That's what we need to do. We need to be intentional with our faith. We need to be identifiable so that it brings hope. And we need to not have a loveless faith that allows people to serve me. We need to serve the one who loves us, who cares for us, who saved us.